Hey everybody, Jake from Tasting Anarchy here. Wine can be really confusing. When you're starting out, it's hard to tell high quality wine from a bottle of Plunk. It can also get really expensive. Boy, have I found that out lately by looking at my bank statements. I did a lot of research to find a better way to buy quality wine without breaking the bank, and that's how I discovered an awesome website called Last Bottle Wines. Last Bottle Wines has fostered personal relationships with wineries across the world and offer one bottle of high-quality wine a day at 30 to 70% off. When the bottle is gone, it's gone. New day, new bottle, new savings. I recently ordered a Spanish Tempranillo. This wine normally retails for $74, and I got it from Last Bottle Wines for only 32 bucks. It's not a wine club, so there's no fees. Shipping is affordable and can even be free. You know Mason and I are always after the best wines at the best price. We want you to enjoy the same deal. That's why we got you this special offer. Some of our listeners have already taken advantage of the deal and are loving the experience. All you need to do is go to lastbottlewines.com slash invite slash tasting anarchy to get $10 off your first purchase while helping your favorite Wine and Liberty podcast. That's lastbottlewines.com slash invite slash tasting anarchy to get $10 off a delicious bottle of wine at 30 to 70% off. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. So, Jake, I hear you uh, just got back from a wonderful trip down south ways in uh, the great state of Texas. That's right. I uh, I did. and Well, it was southwest, so like the, pretty much the furthest southwest in Texas you can go without getting to another state or another country. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was a lot of fun, but I went a, the long way around. And mm-hmm. the reason I went the long way around was basically because of this show. So I stopped along the way at several wineries in Texas Hill Country, which is pretty much directly south of here, mm-hmm. a, li- a little bit west, but but pretty much southwest, so a little bit west of Austin, and um, had a, had a just a blast in Hill Country. Even though I was only I was only just kind of passing through, there's a lot of really cool towns down there, and it's very wine centric. In a lot of mm-hmm. it. So I don't know if it's just all of Texas does this or if it's like an Austin thing, but there's this town called Fredericksburg there. And I guess it's like an old German town. And um, it's got just in that area are just ungodly amounts of wineries. And mm-hmm. I stopped at several of them and it ranged from just kind of a fun place to stop and hang out and the wine, meh, but to outstanding wine huh. as well. So and actually, when I got over to Marfa, which is we'll get into in a minute, I mentioned a few of those. And uh, Ricky, who I was planting grapes with, he knew about about a bunch of the wineries, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that one's great. That one's." Eh. <laughs> and uh, but there, but but it was interesting to me about the. And you and I are both kind of interested in this, Mason. Is the marketing the marketing side of wine and grapes? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they do in Texas, or at least in this part of Texas, it seems to me, is it's not so much that they're interested in bottling the wine and then sending it to like Total Wine or some sort of wine merchant to sell. Mm-hmm. What they're more interested in, in is getting people to come down to their winery and hang out and drink it and then buy a couple of bottles or something like that. That seems to be the marketing strategy because they're all pretty much set up as like a place to hang out and eat and like chill out and all that sort of stuff. And when you talk to the people who are running, I'm like, where can I get this wine from? And they're like, well, there's a couple of local places that you can get it. But besides that, you just, you can either order it from them directly online or get it from the winery or get it from a couple of local retailers. And that's it. Yeah. It, it, that's reminds me of the, the beer scene in Virginia beach mm-hmm. back when we first started like caring about beach brewing, which became Reaver beach. Yeah. Like, Nobody wanted to get in with the distributor because, like, the local distributor here, I think they have a, like, lifetime contract. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. If you get distributed, start getting distributed with them, you have to sign a lifetime contract, and then you can never be distributed with anybody else. So, but, you know, like, they used to do that where, like, when they changed the law in Virginia to allow the brewery, like, brew pub style, not brew pubs, but, like, 
just open breweries and like people started doing it. It was like, no, 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 like you just come here. And like, even now, like with Reaver beach, which beach became like, you can buy Hoptopus in stores mm-hmm. and that's about it. And is that still can, true or is that? That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, now it's true. Okay. Yeah. Like you can buy Hoptopus in stores. Now I'm betting like grape and gourmet, you could always kind of get more than just Hoptopus, but like at Kroger, they just have Hoptopus. Yeah. But like young veterans, there's like three or four at least, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a, like a bunch of the breweries that like you can get more of it. So I, I think it's probably like they make more money by having people show up. I, th- I think that's true. And it, and it also, I don't like putting it this way because the, the wine actually I'm going to review tonight is from that area. And I think it's mm-hmm. very good. Uh, I think if you don't have super high quality wine or if you're still learning to produce good wine or something like that, it, it probably makes up for the lack in structure and flavor to have mm. the experience come along with it. Well, I think it's also one of those things where it's like you go into the grocery store anywhere in the country and you see a wine from Napa Valley, you kind of know, yeah, this is probably worth drinking mm-hmm. or and, you know, not that all wine from Napa Valley is worth drinking and you know, not yeah. that all wine from Texas is worth or not worth drinking. But like, I think it's kind of that thing where it's like, yeah, we're, we're from an AVA that's been around for five years or 10 yeah. years, you know, 20 years, like not a long time. And we don't have a name. So why would we bother getting distribution? Cause we're going to distribute to, you know, Jake's Texas wine house. Yeah, which, right. By the way, great business idea. Like, <laughs> that would be fun. Because I, cause I honestly think, Especially in Dallas and maybe in Austin, you could probably do a Texas only like wine shop and probably be pretty successful because there'd just be enough people who would be into that idea. Yeah, especially if it was like kind of in like a touristy part of town or something like in Old Town, like the Old Town part of Dallas is Mm -hmm. you just kind of have like it attached to a restaurant or something like that or next to a restaurant. So like there's a, there's a uh, wine tasting area room or whatever it's called, a wine bar, I guess, Mm -hmm. that Victoria and I go to occasionally. And it is like their deal or whatever is they don't serve food, but they're next door to uh, a pretty good pizza place and also a really good uh, Mediterranean place. Mm -hmm. And you can go get food from either one of those places and bring it over and eat it at the wine bar. And so something along those lines would be cool. So it was like, you know, you come to this place and we'll have people who are experts in Texas wine come talk to you about Texas wine. Like that would be a pretty cool business deal. And, and, you know, maybe getting into the wines a little bit for today, there is, I think, very good wine being produced in Texas. And the wine I'm drinking tonight is actually going to be on the Childeberg wine van wine tour uh yes well and, this vintage uh, is who, not who will be driving this van you will be driving that van i will be driving this van yeah so a quick childerberg plug for those who don't know jacob we are going to bucan <laughs> i've not got the lake's name i think right. it's i think yeah i i keep getting it mixed up but it's buchanan lake buchanan lake the park yep. is uh black rock park mm-hmm. it's uh june 8th and 9th in Iano County. Yes. So. Which is down south ways from you. Yeah. Well, southwest too. Not as southwest as Marfa. No, but. no, not nearly that far. And it's a little, I guess, a little bit northwest of Austin. So mm-hmm. if you're in the Austin area, the DFW area, or you care to take a drive. Or a flight. Or a flight. Or a boat. Or a boat. Or it, however you want to get here. Hovercraft. Yeah. Hovercraft would be awesome. <laughs> uh, there's still campsites available as of this recording, although they are filling up pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, so. But once they fill up, that doesn't mean you can't come. It just means you're up to you're on your own to find places to sleep. Correct. And the same with the wine van. So yep. we intend so to visit three wineries. Mm-hmm. I will be the what is it designated driver. So yep. you know we're not saying you can can or should get blitzed house. Or whatever phrase you like for incredibly drunk, but there will be safe, reliable transportation to the wine. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if the wine van is full, you're certainly welcome to caravan with others to it. Um, but we do ask that someone, you know, not partake just in case, um, you know, which is not how we, you and I normally do things, but That's we true. will be responsible in that regard. So <laughs> one of us will be completely sober, yeah. which will be me. Um, but then, you know, I will be enjoying some wine. I think Jacob and I are going to enjoy a thousand dollar bottle of wine as a so. podcast event. Yep. Um, 
Car Campit is going to attend, and maybe mystery guest Bird. No, I mean, yeah. oh man, that would be great if, if he's coming. Yeah. Well, but you know, other other friends of our podcast, or, mm-hmm. well, people that I'm friends with on Twitter that haven't been on our podcast yet, <coughs> Rolo. Uh, Rolo McFrugal from the Rolo and Slabby show. He will be there. Mr. Sue, who has been a guest on our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be there. Dino is going to be there from the Dino Files. Yes. Uh, and, uh, he and I are working on getting together at some point to podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. and actually maybe we'll do it at Childeberg. Uh, yeah. So there, but it's going to be a lot of podcasters, a lot of fun. We, we've got, um, whether it, right now it's bring your own food, bring your own beer. We do have somebody who, I won't say who it is that is bringing quite a bit of beer mm-hmm. um, and maybe at a later date or whatever the legal ramifications are, I won't announce it at all. Who knows? But uh, there will be some drink there. And if you want to bring drinks and food to share, you're more than welcome to. It is, it's not really – I mean it's officially Childeberg, but for I guess legal reasons, we're kind of keeping it a loose gathering of liberty-minded individuals. So it's more like mm-hmm. a – more like just like a camp gathering. So we're, yeah. we're camping out there. We're doing a couple of things that you guys are welcome to join us on. And it's going to be a really, really great time, I think. Car and I have got some other stuff cooked up too that, uh, just some fun events and some just kind of goofy things to have at the lake that'll just be fun for everybody to, to take pictures with and like just to enjoy themselves. So I, I think, yeah. I think everybody's going to have a great time. And it's also, it's just an awesome time to, you know, this is something that I missed from back in our days when we had the libertarian meetings in Virginia Beach, um, is just getting to know other people who have the same, I wouldn't even say quirk, because I think politically we're correct, but <laughs> the, the same inclinations politically as we have, and and then it's a really good opportunity for you just to argue about the minutiae when normally you're so far apart from most people on your political ideology that you're just trying to get them to not to agree to not hit you and take your stuff you know yeah you're you're like that's the thing is you we have so many things with so many other political ideologies that we touch point on that you, you know you and i are at least and you know i think people like scott horton and tom woods are like no let's have the conversation about the stuff we agree on and kind of join forces. And I think that's a really Rothbard thing to do. Yeah. Like, no, 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 we're all anti-war. Like, yeah, exactly. This. And, you know, I think that's the, the beauty of this. And, you know, we, <clears throat> our goal is to have an event where you don't have to worry necessarily about offending someone by saying, yeah, don't take my stuff. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, what's, what belongs to me, it's mine. Yeah. And, I will share with those who I, I feel I can share with, but I'm not going to go out of my way to be like, Oh, nope, you can have everything, everything I've ever had. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's really turning out to be just, it's going to be cool. And we've already got plans now set up for Childeberg dose. So it's going to, it's just going to be a continual good time annually down here in Texas, but enough of us promoting Childeberg. Well, let's, let's talk <laughs> about the, the actual thrust of why did you, you mentioned it briefly, but why did you take this long and arduous trek that had many diversions and Jacob-like explorations okay, well, down Texas, yeah, or I mean, down south yeah. wise? You know, I'm kind of, I'm the type of person who, I wouldn't even say spontaneous, but I have no qualms with just like reaching out to somebody and being like, hey, can I do this? And somehow either, I think actually Jackson Blood might have shared it with me. He, I got a link for this guy who's starting the highest altitude winery in Texas. Mm-hmm. And it is actually quite high altitude. I didn't realize Texas had this type of altitude. It's at, at it's at over, I think it's at over 3,700 feet. Um, I would have to look, well, actually, let me pull it up real quick. Well, look. you keep talking about it. I'll look it up. Okay. Yeah. Look up Alta Marfa. So Alta Marfa is a new winery that's going to, it's in the Marfa area. I think it's about 30 minutes from Marfa. And it's a high altitude winery and the guy is just starting it out. His name's Ricky. He's just a really awesome dude. And he's going to, he's agreed to come on the show. So hopefully I'll do an interview with him. And so Marfa is about 4,600 feet itself. Okay. I think he's a little higher than that. So he must be over 5,000. Oh man. Like I, I, you know, you said this. Yeah. I didn't actually look where this was in Texas. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's far. Yeah. It's part of the. Uh, Chihuahua, Chihuahuan desert. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's just beautiful out there too. I didn't, uh, that's the thing is like, I didn't realize 
I do like the desert, but I didn't realize how pretty high desert is like this. Oh yeah, and um, it was it was a really great time. But Ricky <clears throat> is starting this this winery, and he actually attempted to plant last year, but all all but like five percent of the grapes that he ordered of the vines that he ordered uh, were dead on arrival. Oh my! And so you know, I guess good luck for me, bad luck for him though. Yeah. He needed he needed help replanting this year. So I I drove down on a Thursday uh, and I stopped at a whole bunch of these wineries in Hill Country and I arrived at Altamarfa around seven o'clock in the afternoon. It was and it was high altitude and he had I think it was his aunt and uncle. I'm not exactly sure what their relation was, but or it could have been just childhood friends, parents, mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, they were out, out there helping a plant, so it was just Ricky, me, and these and these two older people and Ricky's girlfriend, and we I just showed up. After asking him if I could come, like, and he was like, "Wow, you know, you're the first internet person who showed up uh, for this planting." He's like, "I got some more coming, maybe later this month, but um, it's just kind of cool how the internet works these days. Is you, you you put yourself out there, and people are just like, what can I do?'" And so he put me to work the next day, and I dug about two thousand holes. Um, the soil there is super, super rocky. So, mm. but, but that's good for the grapes. The grapes yeah, are good drainage, right? Really good drainage. It's, and they, and it also is kind of a struggle for them to get their roots in there. And, you know, people say this quote unquote, they, you know, they say, uh, that, that grapes like to struggle. And, mm-hmm. and I, I said something about that to Ricky and he was like, well, I don't think grapes like to struggle, but it does make them produce good fruit. <laughs> so he's like, they'd be perfectly happy being down like in some very loamy soil on next to a stream or something like that, but they're not going to produce very good grapes and they probably won't produce that many grapes because they'll be putting all their energy into uh, growing, just growing bigger and bigger. So they'll produce some and some grapes, but when you kind of control the growth of them and you put them in this kind of in the soil that's a little bit more difficult. And it's also, you know, people would always plant their grapes in places where they couldn't plant food. Mm-hmm. So they're putting them up in these, you know, rocky banks and stuff like that. And cause grapes are fine growing there. They'll, they'll do it. Whereas, you know, you can't put a bunch of wheat up there. And, uh, I mean, I mean, you could probably put some, but it, it wouldn't be very efficient. Yeah. And so anyway, so I dug about 2000 holes. Uh, you know, there's all, all day long. We probably worked from eight, eight or nine in the morning until, five or six at night, just bent over holes, digging, pulling rocks out and, um, making sure that like the drainage tubes and the, or the, the irrigation tubes and stuff were hooked up correctly. And, uh, that's pretty much what we did the first day. And then the next day the grapes came in and, uh, there, man, there was a lot of really cool grapes, a lot of, a lot of really interesting ones. Cause he's like, I don't really know exactly what's going to grow here. He's betting that Cabernet Sauvignon is going to be the, what grows there very well. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, are you doing that because it's Cabernet Sauvignon sells well? And he goes, no, it, it, I think it will sell well. But also, I think that this climate and the soil is going to produce a good Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but he's like, but I also, I don't know for sure. So we're, I'm, I'm betting on that. So I, he, I think he ordered, I think he ordered like 2000 vines of one type of Cabernet Sauvignon and then like 3000 of another clone. Um, so, so I, you know about the clones, right? Mason, have we gone over that in the show before? I think we went over it a long time ago and, and it was one of those topics where we both were like, there's a lot to this and yeah. we didn't necessarily dig deeper okay yeah so, i mean, just kind of in summary and i haven't dug very deep into it m- most of the vines that are planted in the united states are they're grafted onto american rootstock so they're they're vitiviniferous which is the european grape varietal and that grape is grafted onto an american rootstock but grapes can easily be cloned so basically you're just you take a clipping of it and then you can plant that clipping and that will become a clone of the of the parent plant Mm-hmm. And the difference is that with when you take a, a seed off of a grape and you plant and you plant the grape, that becomes a new plant. Yeah, it's and like apples. Exactly. It's, yeah, and you but you don't necessarily know what that grape is going to be. So the fruit on the grape is going to be the fruit of the vine, but mm-hmm. but the seed that's inside the fruit may not be what you think it is because you you are planting all these grapes near each other and they do cross pollinate. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I and this is something else I learned from Ricky is that. Grapes are not pollinated by bees. It's, mm-hmm. They're wind pollinated. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was very interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. The, that's the thing is like, you know, bee pollination is very important, but it is not it like, it's not the be all end all. There's a lot of yeah. plants that don't. Yeah. And the, and this is one of the plants. They're, they're, <clears throat> they're, well, the European varietals are hermaphroditic. So they're, they're self pollinating. And although Americans are not, you do have to have male and female plants. 
in mm-hmm. for the American varietals, but the rootstock is the same. So they just put the rootstock. They just use American. And the reason they use the American rootstock is because there is this um, this pest that will uh, eat the roots of the European ones, but the American rootstock is is thicker, mm-hmm. and so these pests can't bite into it and and tear it apart. So so that that's why it it's like that. Uh, I can't remember what the the pest is called. It's uh, we've gone I over think, it before. Yeah, I think it's called like phylloxera yeah. or something like that. I think it has a like a common name, yeah. like a non scientific common name. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know what it is. So anyway, so he's planting. Uh, the suit, the two clones of Cabernet Sauvignon, the 1103P clone and the 110R clone. What the difference is, I'm not sure, but I think he thinks that these are going to be a good blend together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we also planted a lot of really interesting things that I've never heard of. Have you ever heard of uh, Negro Amoro? I don't think so. Yeah, I've never heard of that one either, but we planted 25 of those. Uh, we planted one of one of my favorite whites i don't know if you've had this white before alberino um i think i might have had it in like a blend okay i've got i actually for childeberg going back to childeberg uh i i have four bottles of alberino to share that that are i think are really good it's a good a really good spanish alberino um it was very inexpensive but i i liked it a lot so i thought well this will be a good one for me to share so i just got four of them Mm -hmm. um and i and i have other things to share as well but uh, <laughs> so that I've never heard, I've never heard of that, or I, I've, I've heard of that. That's one I like, and it was kind of cool. He, we planted 25 of those because he was like, well, let's see how this grows. And if it grows well, if it produces a good wine, then, uh, maybe I'll expand it because this is just the first stage. He's got, he's got, I think, I think the ones that he's working on is about five acres. Mm-hmm. And he's going to expand it to another five acre plot. And then he's got more land on the back side of the hill as well. And, uh, and a little bit more on the front side of the hill. Huh. So. He's got a lot. Uh, we did Petite Mansang, which I think I think you and I have had something with Petite Mansang blended. I don't think we've ever had it by itself, though. No, I don't think I've ever had that pure. Um, so he did Sav Blanc, which I like Sav Blanc a lot. I think you've had it with me before or maybe by mm-hmm. yourself. Have you ever heard of uh, Fiano? No. Me neither. So that's another one that he's that he's uh, planting there. And Peak Pool Blanc. He's planting, which is another white one, and uh, Rosan, Petit Mansang. He, I think we actually planted more than twenty five, but he said that he was he had twenty five vines in it. For some reason, I feel like Petit Mansang was a lot. But anyways, he's got he's got all of the the grape varieties that he's planting on his website at altamarfa.com. But anyways, so we we dug up all these holes. Then the next day. We started, the vines arrived early in the morning and we immediately put them into water and then just started planting them one at a time. And then slowly over that next day, other people started arriving to help plant. And once, mm-hmm. once we had like 15 people going, it was just like, we were just, we were just chugging along, mm-hmm. planting these machines. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Like seeing them all go in, getting the, the irrigation. Uh, hooked up correctly. We had a, we had an irrigation pipe burst while we were working on it, but uh, that got fixed very quickly. And um, it was just it was really neat. He's got a really cool setup up there. I'm really 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 excited to see his first vintage. I told yeah. him if he wants help on the first harvest, email me. I'll be out there because I want to I want to learn about that too. And they, it's it's also it's just so interesting for some for people like you and me who are just into wine. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking about this while I was there, but the, the sort of the Lockean principle of like mixing your labor with the soil, mm-hmm. like I kept thinking about that while I was there because like it's it's so rewarding to like dig into dirt and move it and then <laughs> and then see something as a result when you're done, which is like these these grapevines planted. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was just really just a lot of fun to to do it. I, I loved it and. I, ta- I was talking to a whole bunch of people and they're like, what are, what are you getting for this? And I was like, I'm not getting anything. Like I'm getting the experience because it's, it's cool and I want to help this guy out. And I'm really <laughs> excited for, you know, he's going for a totally different angle than, than most of the wine. Well, I wouldn't say most of the winers. He's going for his own angle, which is he thinks that this part of Texas can produce very good wine. Mm-hmm. And so he's not, and it's so far out in the middle of nowhere that people are not going to stop by to, to like hang out and like do a sipping or like a, uh, like a tasting or whatever. And he doesn't have any plans to put a tasting room in. He said maybe down the road he'll have a tasting room in Marfa because it's kind of a touristy town. But, uh, mm-hmm. but like it's so far out in the sticks that people don't want, he just, he doesn't expect people to come out there. And he also doesn't really want to do it. He just doesn't want to deal with it. He well, wants, I bet he could 
probably get more land out there mm-hmm. and do kind of like a retreat style thing, like a wine weekend style, you know, like where it's like bed and breakfast and like yeah, it, you're, good. you're out in that country. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause I think like both you and I would like vacation at a place like that Yeah, you it, know, like in, in five or six years, especially if they had like some base kid activities, you know, we don't ex- you know, expect them to have everything, but yeah. like just to be able to be like, yeah, like, you know, get up in the high desert and like see the sunrise, see the stars. Oh yeah, that was another thing too. Like you forget when you live in the city how beautiful what the Milky Way looks like. Yeah, exactly what the Milky Way looks looks like. It it's so startlingly bright, and then yeah. and then when the moon rises, you could easily work. Yeah, you could easily work yeah. at night. It's like daylight. Yeah, it's crazy. And can you imagine like back in the day when there was like just dark nights? Yeah, yeah. Like you weren't in the city, just the night's dark, and you're like. Uh, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Terrifying. But yeah, like th- this is one of those things that like I listening to the episode you did with the guy from, I feel so bad not remembering his name. Oh, like Craig, you just oh, had Craig, him on. Craig Camp from. Yeah, Craig um, Camp. Yeah, from. I not, uh, seriously uh, thought Troon, about Troon like. Troon Vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. Troon Vineyard. I th- seriously thought about moving to Southern Oregon. Like. Yeah. The way he described that, I was like, you know, I didn't really like 105 like that. That. That seemed a bit much to me in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. But like that, you know, like we, like I love Virginia in its own ways and I like the heat when it gets fully hot, but you know, Ashley doesn't care for it too much. And I really don't like the cold anymore, mm-hmm. which makes it really hard to move anywhere because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, pretty much everywhere it gets cold. Yeah. So it's like, oh crap, what do I do? I don't want it to get too hot and I don't want it to get too cold, but I was like, hmm. Yeah, it does snow in Ohio, you know, Oregon, but dang, Oregon is beautiful. Yeah, well, in that part of Oregon, it doesn't it doesn't get that cold. It, it gets cold, but it's not that cold. And you know, and you also you got to think about it too is if they're growing grapes there, there's probably going to be it's going to get cold in the winter, but it's it's not going to have a late frost most of the time. Uh, although he did mention that that was a risk that that he would have, and actually, uh, Ricky at mm-hmm. um at Altamarfa he said that's one risk they have is a late frost mm-hmm. it is it it's not as hot in those hot, in that high desert as people think it really it rarely gets over 95 up there yeah and it's so it's a i looked it up and there was a person who apparently went to last year's planting and wrote an article about it oh really like yeah like to Altamarfa and uh it's about 5400 feet so it's about okay. 700 feet higher up than Marfa itself yeah so yeah it's it's up there and it's it's yeah. it's just really gorgeous up there and he's got like he's got he's on the side of a pretty big hill mm-hmm. and once you get up on top of the hill and you watch the sun go down from up there it's just it's really pretty yeah um but yeah it was a lot of fun but you know if southern oregon it's also very green and that's different than Marfa. Marfa was very a lot of oranges, a lot of browns, well, which, which is pretty, but it's yeah. a very different type of pretty. Well, Ashley and I have talked about New Mexico, but they have the fastest growing, in our limited opinion, um, left wing banana government. Oh, really? Recently. Like they, they have a very small state legislature, um, and it's made up of a lot of women now, mm. and they are passing some real leftist weirdo laws really yeah it's like they're trying to become the um it's like they're trying to become the what's it called uh like the massachusetts of the southwest oh yeah and plus like albuquerque like have you been to albuquerque no yeah albuquerque is one of those places that like because of the weird owl song i've always had like a like a place in my heart for it yeah. Plus, like, there's Los Alamos, you know, which not not a good thing now. But when I was a kid, like, I was super interested in. But like, they have some pretty high crime. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. Huh. And kind of kind of methy. Oh, like, that's interesting. You know, it's like it's a weird city. Um, but you know, we thought about New Mexico for a while because it's just different, and we both love the high desert and you know that sort of thing. But it's also you know, they they all have their own problems. And as we have talked about on this show all the time, yeah. San Diego is kind of like the only place that, yeah. like, has the exact weather that I want to live in that isn't like Mexico. Yeah, my, my you know, my folks are, are liking it. And actually speaking of <laughs> Mexico, uh, Baja and actually just south of Marfa mm-hmm. in Mexico, there's a growing wine, like higher, higher altitude uh, mm-hmm. wine scene 
picking up where, yeah. pe- where people are realizing now kind of you can produce pretty good wine even that far south if you plant correctly and are at a higher altitude because it does get hot and you are getting a lot of photosynthesis going on. But there are planting techniques that I, I hope to get into with Ricky because he'll be able to he'll be able to like tell me a lot more about that than I do. But there's there's ways that you can plant that will help limit the photosynthesis in places that get those really long days like Altamarfa gets. Yeah, and well, I think it's also you know because you're in the high the high altitude, so the planting season may not be or the you know this the growing season isn't as long as um, uh, Craig was talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the reduction in that. But I also think like one of the things that we'll see a lot more of is automation for like sunshades for the grapes. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. And the, you know, things that would, you know, cut the photosynthesis like midday. So the, the just the pure baking heat, you know, kind of take it down. Cause like, you know, you think about what you could do with like a couple Android or, you know, a couple raspberry pies. Yeah. Like for yeah. automation and, you know, like set, you know, photovoltaic with like resistance measures and like mm-hmm. measuring how much resistance you've gotten and then, you know, automatically coming on. And then when it goes down a certain level, retracting itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's the, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's the, there's so much in wine that like, you know, like one of the things like John with, um, dang, in Portland. Uh, John W. Jevedanis. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was trying to remember his winery name. So we, it's it, De- yeah. It's Debbie Danius wine. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> not to belittle him like, cause it, it, but he's just happy to get good grapes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he's not necessarily looking to get biodynamic or specifically completely organic grapes or, you know, to go out to this like high desert area or, you know, Southern Oregon and plant, you know, he's just like, no, like the people here are producing good enough grapes. I want to put my own spin on the production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, you know, you get people like Altamarfa or like um, Craig where it's like, no, we're going to grow in places that no one else is growing right now mm-hmm. and are no one else, not as many people are growing. And yeah. or like in Craig's case where he's just like, no, we're taking this, this land has been, kind of ruined mm-hmm. and we're taking we're going to repair it and we're going to take it to the next level and producing something that is is really high quality and really unique to this area like one of the things that Craig was talking about that I thought was was super super interesting and and I want to maybe you and me can look for something like this is those co-ferments that he was talking about mm-hmm I, I didn't really – I mean, it makes sense. And We've I, talked about that before. Have we? Okay, because I didn't but remember I, that. I, I think in a weird passing. Okay. And it may not have even have been on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, that idea, though, to me, it makes a lot of sense that it would produce a completely different wine than blending the same two grapes after they've been fermented separately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll – because it's going to have, like, just different stages of the yeast living and dying, and it'll it, – it, I just I'm I'm interested to try that. I really once I, actually if you want to go visit out there sometime, maybe you and I can try to plan a coordinated trip to go to Southern Oregon. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a if things go right in life, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to do a lot of traveling. Yeah, um, and it'll be a lot of you know like and, and it's hard with Henry that you know my dog or, yeah. you know with a dog it's sure. like it's hard to travel in in that level. But there's going to be you know like I don't mind flying, so there's going to be a lot of hey let's four days go do this. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Like maybe I'll be able to go down to Altamarfa and maybe not necessarily work from eight to five, uh, <laughs> as a farmhand, yeah. but you know, participate in a way where I'm not just dragging the operation down. You well, know, you being, know what the thing is, is they had, they had all sorts of people there helping. So it's just many hands make light work as they say. Yeah. But and, you know, that's the thing yeah. is like, I, I don't, for my own, you know, like, you know, my dad, like, yeah. oh, here's an opportunity to kill myself. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Helping exactly. somebody else, like, move their entire house of priceless 18th century <laughs> cannonballs. Right, right. Like, you know? And yeah. I have 45,000 of them. Right, right. And they're exactly. all 45 pounds. It's like, yeah. crap. You know, so, and I don't, like, I feel bad not participating in, like, the heavy lifting when I'm, uh, young and a youngish guy yeah yeah. like it's my own problems but right you know those are the sort of things where like what's the wine scene like in tennessee well like i drop a plane to you know memphis and then you and i to cheap car and go explore absolutely and you and i talked to um 
to Pepper up in mm-hmm. up in Indiana. There's stuff going on there. Yeah. App- apparently, they produce really good ice wine, which I'm not a huge fan of ice wine, but I'd be interested to just go see the facilities up in Michigan. Well, and that's the thing is like it may not be our favorite wine style, but you and I have drank some not great beer. Mm-hmm. But sitting across from a guy who's like, no, this is what I'm into. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is what I do. It's a way different flavor. Like, that's why I'm really interested in trying uh, John's wine. Yeah. Because, like, I'm not saying he's not a high-class producer, but Mm -hmm. to know the person and have spoken to him and hear their passion for what they do, like, really does come out in, like, enjoying a product. Right. Now – like there, there are times where, yeah, this is just absolute trash. Like if you ever watch like any of the Gordon Ramsay shows where he's like going in to help a business and the person's like delusional about how good they are. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, you nearly killed me. Like that's raw chicken. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> you know, but that's the, those, those are the things where like, I'm really interested in like getting out there and seeing things and yeah. Like I, I don't, you know, the, like one of the things that always kind of bothers me is like, you know, you you watch these people like in Europe and it's like, oh, you know, I spent, a, I saved up money and I spent a summer backpacking. Yeah. And it's kind of like, so did you, is like the exchange rate just that favorable? <laughs> you know, yeah. you could save up that many euros and then just go bomb around Romania. But then you're like, no, they were going around Southern France from England. Right. So the exchange rate's negligible. Yeah, exactly. Like, how, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how they do that. But yeah. uh, let's go ahead and, and do our wines because yeah. we're, we're, we're only about 20 minutes away from our end. But uh, just so everybody knows, that's altamarfa.com. You can read the blog that uh, Ricky and has it, going it's on. It's spelled just like it sounds. Yes, altamarfa, yeah. M-A-R-F-A. And then uh, we also mentioned John W. Danius a few, a few times. That's at W. Danius Wine. That's D-O-V-Y-D-E-N-A-S wine.com. I'll put it in the and, show notes. And he's bottling, if not finished bottling soon. Um some new like newer varieties for him too. that's so, that's right yeah he's yeah. he's got a couple going on right now that a couple that he's never done before so yeah, i think that'll a, be a really cool. and, um, yeah that's right yep and and he and i are going to try to try to figure out a way for you and me to get that it may be it may be tricky but i think we'll be able to we'll be able to get it the well, other the other guy that we your mentioned. birthday gift so whatever the cost <laughs> just let me know all right i'll let you know the other yeah. one was uh, we also mentioned Craig Camp, which you can go back and listen to the previous episode. Um, what would that be? Sixty-eight, I guess. Uh, yeah, previous full episode. Yeah, um, so. so not the mini where I'm talking about the um, Longavi. But oh I no, actually, I guess that would be it. Would be there would be a new mini between that because I've got a beer mini for you coming oh, out tomorrow. Correct. Or correct. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. So. Uh, that the, oh my gosh, you guys know when we record, <laughs> but, uh, but also <laughs> we've mentioned it continuously. Yeah, yeah. So uh, winecampblog.com. That's yeah, where you sixty-eight. Can read. Uh, sixty-eight. Okay, yeah. That's yep. where you, that's where you can uh, read about Craig Camp and his um, expertise in biodynamic wine. Uh, I'm also going to yeah. try to get a, a, some wines from him. I think he ships to Texas, so I was going to maybe order some of those. And they're, um, they're working on it. They don't. Oh, they're yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like he they can ship to Texas. But I don't know if that's they can ship to Texas for personal consumption mm. or if they can ship to Texas for businesses. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, like, you know, I, I feel like many of our episodes, like, you know, John was great. Pepper has been, you know, Pepper was a lot of fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Claire was obviously fun. Nate. Uh, Jackson Blood. Um, so not anything against them, but I think like just your general growth in yeah. podcasting, me not being there, coughing my brains out like when <laughs> Mark was on, um, like the information we got from Craig and just the how different it was and you know, about, you know, we, we've talked about some of this stuff before, mm-hmm. but to, to hear about the, just the, like, that's one of our best episodes, like just so much information in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. And you know, all, all the credit really goes to, to Craig. He, he really had just so much to say. He's got 30 years plus experience in the industry and the last five or six years he's been on a biodynamic kick. So he's been just transforming Going, putting all of the work into Transfor Troon Vineyards into a biodynamic vineyard. I guess they're the next vintage is going to be their first certified biodynamic, or maybe mm-hmm. this, maybe said this vintage was. You'll have to listen to the episode. Go back and listen to sixty eight. You'll find out. But let's yeah. go. Let's go ahead and continue on to the wine. So Mason, 
We did this completely reverse of what we normally do. What are you <laughs> sip, what are you sipping on tonight? So, I have Plaza de la Arena, which is a like the busiest town square in Valencia, oh. Spain, which is their third largest city. I didn't realize that. Oh, I didn't know that either. Like, yeah, and it's also like their busiest port, like 20% of their like stuff comes through there. Hmm. Um, so this is a 70% Tempranillo, 30% Monstrali. Uh, I think and, it's Monstral or something like that. But. Yeah, but it, it, that I think it, it has a more common name. Oh, okay. Um, so this is a wine for, uh, that I got from oh, Splash oh, I, Wines. This is a, it's, that's a Spanish name for uh, Mador, more, ugh, I can't remember, I can't ever pronounce it. More, more Vedre, more, more, more Drevre, yeah. more, ah, more well, Vedre, more Vedre. Well, Monstrelli or Monstrel yeah. is the Spanish name and it's a Spanish grape. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, mean, <laughs> but, I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess we just say, we, we often say the French one because the French are the French. <laughs> yeah. And, but so, um, I got this through the Splash Wine 2018 Groupon kind of best of, um, this is like the smoothest Tempranillo that I've had. Like there's no strong push either direction. It's 12% alcohol by volume. Um, you know, it doesn't really have, it, it's like imported by Eleven's Imports, Bainbridge, Washington. By, uh, oh, Bainbridge? Bainbridge? Bainbridge Island. Oh, um, that's where yeah. my grandma was born. Nice. Yeah. So uh, elaborated and bottled for Bodega, Antonio, Azraeli, SL, La Fanta de la Friga, Valencia, Spain. Like, you know, it's Splash Wines is not like it's not like it's a cheap wine service. They they do have some higher end bottles, but this is about 13 bucks on theirs. Yeah, the Groupon wasn't, you know, insanely expensive that my parents got me. It was like an $80 Groupon. But, you know, I got 18 wines and if one of them's 13 bucks. I, I made out. Yeah. You know, if you just do the kind of general math, um, again, you know, very smooth. Um, I think the Tempranillo, unless the Spanish Tempranillos are much smoother normally and the ones I've had are just a little more aggressive. I think the Monstrella or whatever the pronunciation is, uh, really is what smoothed this out mm -hmm. with the blending. Um, doesn't really give the vintage um there's a stamp on it and that's like 2017 like so it's like a production so i don't know if it's the 2017 variety you know it's um not super it's one of those wines where it's red wine it's pretty tasty but it's also not something where i'm gonna be like i need to go buy a case of this yeah yeah exactly well, I mean, that sounds pretty good to me, and it sounds like kind of a cool blend. And so that how how do you, I'm going to try to say this again? So it's mon monstra mon astre because so I guess isn't the double L a Y sound? Well, I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I have, you know, my my Spanish is awful. Okay. Um, but you know, it, it's one of those. Monastre. Um, yeah, that's, that's it's what a I would say. blend that I would really like to try. Mm -hmm more m more of okay you know where it's like hey let's you know this is like likes warm dry climates and small thick you know this would probably be something that maybe in altamarfa might oh, grow yeah. well you know the spanish varieties yeah um it may be who knows but like it, it's one of those things where definitely something where if somebody said oh it's this blend this is what i would measure it against and i i wouldn't be i'm not against trying another blend of it so okay well that sounds pretty yeah. good so what I've got is, as I mentioned earlier on the show, from one of the vineyards that we will be visiting on the wine van for Childeberg. And yes. I didn't get this while I was down there because I was I came I came through so I actually didn't go up in that part of uh, Texas on the way down. I went around the other way so that I could hit some other ones. On the way back, I came here, but I had already ordered several bottles from them, and it was already closed by the time I came through because it was Sunday. So. Mm -hmm. Um, this is Torna Locks, which is a, is, I guess it loosely translates, it's Gaelic. It loosely translates to, um, view of the lake or something like that, or a uh, hill with a lake view. So something along those lines. Well, Loch is definitely a lake. Yeah. Like Loch Ness. Um. So I think it, I think it just, yeah. it just sort of says like, I think it loosely translates to overlooking a lake and, 
one of the reasons why they've actually got a cool story and I've been in contact with some of the people at the winery. So I think I might be able to line up an interview with them. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully before Childeberg. Um, but they, I, I don't, I don't know exactly why they were in Scotland, but they bought this property while they were in Scotland. And it was nice. It was just going to be, you know, their ranch in Texas that they were going to live on, I guess later on. And they had visited it several times. And while they were on a different trip to Australia, Mm-hmm. They were on a wine tour in Australia and they realized that the climate and the soil and all of that sort of seemed a lot like their property in Texas Hill Country. And so they were like, well, this would be kind of cool to turn our ranch into a ranch slash vineyard slash winery. And so that's what they did. And they had to clear all the rocks out of it. Cause, you know, this part of Texas is very rocky also. So they had, mm-hmm. they had to clear a lot of rocks and plant a lot of grapes. This particular Tempranillo um, is 13% or 13.9% alcohol by volume. It's not actually grown in Texas Hill Country. It's grown up in Texas High Plains, which is five or six hours away from Texas Hill Country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I think they also have a winery up there, and it's very common for Texas wineries to get their grapes from Hill or from uh, the High Plains because they just grow so much up there. Mm-hmm. And that was really before before Texas started producing good wine or like finer wine. They were producing bulk grapes for either filler or for making brandy or um, other types of wine grape uses. Mm-hmm. So they were not really producing great stuff until people started kind of exploring. I'm reading this actually interesting book about the history of Texas wine. And they still produce a whole bunch, but they've really switched over to, to – just better viticulture practices to produce higher quality grapes. Now, Mason, you've actually had a wine very similar to this one. Oh. That Pedernales, or however you say it. Um, mm-hmm. Pedernales, I think. Yeah. Um, that's also, that was also a Texas High Plains Tempranillo. This one is very similar. Not quite as aggressive and a little bit more fruity. It is very strong ripe cherry flavors, very strong black fruit flavors. Hmm. Much it's lower, really good. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's they actually don't have this vintage anymore. This is their 2014. I ordered the the last couple of bottles of it from them when they were clearancing it at 30 percent off, and I'm always very happy about that. But normally, it, it's still not that expensive. It's usually well, not, it's only about not 20 to contradict bucks. you, but their website says they have seven in stock of the 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was a different one they sold out of. I mean, either way, it'd yeah. be cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I I thought I did. <laughs> Well, but, here's the thing is they maybe they found more. Oh, yeah, that's possible. Sometimes yeah. people don't always put those things together well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. They Well, they had a big clearance thing where they were like, look, these are these are our last three or four cases or whatever of it. And I emailed them and said, like, hey, do you have any more of that left? And they were like, yeah, yeah, uh, we can send you four bottles. And mm-hmm. so I, I ordered that. And um, But it's, it's very good. I like – I really like it. I'm excited to try it on site because apparently – They've been raided by another quickly becoming a friend of the shows because I talk to him on Twitter all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Wine Lover, the blog. They mm. they've uh, rated this pretty high as having one of the best views uh, for a Texas winery in Texas because they're up on a hill. Their tasting room overlooks the lake. It, it's apparently very pretty. So I'm really excited for us to drive out there and take everybody there. Yeah, and, and uh, Tornalox translates roughly to hills. Over lakes. Oh, hills over lakes. Okay. Or hell over lake, but you know. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I, I I like their story a lot. They also, if you go read their blog on their website, they've it was a lot of work for them to clear the land, and they do have grapes there now. But I think they planted them in like 2015. I'd have to go look at the blog. So they probably aren't producing that much fruit yet. Uh, mm-hmm. If they are producing something from the vineyards on that site, Mason. Since you're driving the van, I plan to get you one bottle from each of the wineries so that we can try those either later or at uh, at Childeberg at the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It would be kind of cool to maybe try to get one of the bottles from grapes that they actually grew on site. Exactly. That'd yeah, be really that, neat. that would be kind of the what I'm I'm aiming to I was aiming to do roughly the same thing was get, you know, purchase some something to take back with me. Um 
whether that's back to Virginia or just back to site yeah. of, um, from each winery. So if they had stuff that like, you know, oh, this is exclusive to what we grow here, even if it was small bottles, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be really cool. So, so that's really all I have to say about that wine. I, I think it's really good. I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. And any of you guys who are coming out to Childerberg, go ahead and reserve a space on the wine van because you should try this. I, I think it's really good. And once I get somebody from Tornalocks on the podcast, I think you'll want to have it even more. So you well, gotta, I think so too. So yeah. reserve that seat early because we have a limited number of them. Yeah, and the the number of seats on the wine van are less than the number of camping spots. That's so true. Just yeah. You can camp doesn't mean you can join the wine van. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So uh, I guess that's it. You want to do plugs or do you got any more questions, Mason? Uh, so – so you you have very many, many diverse enjoyments in life, let's say. Yeah. Like, you know, you enjoy Doctor Who and Star mm-hmm. Wars and not on, on top of Liberty and all wine and all of those other fun <laughs> things. Yeah. Taking the minute you left either work or your house to go to Alta Marta, Mar- Martha. Martha. Yeah. And returning, what was your f- absolute favorite part of the trip? Well, I, I really, really, so I like to drive long distances. I just like to see how, what the country looks like. Mm-hmm. And so that was probably one of my favorite things. I also finished the audio book for the new Thrawn book for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That, that was really good too. Speaking of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was also really good. But, you know, just kind of driving through Texas and I drove there a different way than I drove back. So I really got to see two different parts, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to go see hill country and then just low desert and then into high desert. That it was all just super gorgeous and just really interesting to see. Everybody that I met was super nice. That was also really cool. On the way back, I drove through oil fields and just pumps everywhere and then it got dark very quickly so there was those uh i don't know what they're called but those like really tall pipes that have the fire on top of them burn offs the burn offs yeah is what i think that i think that's what it does i don't know if that's the necessary the name but yeah yeah Yeah, i think it's like so because they pump out a lot of natural gas from that and and Mm -hmm. it's either too wet or just not the right type or whatever to pump or it's just not efficient to pump it out so for whatever reason they burn it and so but for miles and miles around me driving at night down this thing, you could see just these burn-off towers everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was really, really interesting. Uh, and it was just, I mean, every, I don't know if this is, I mean, actually, I noticed this when I moved to Virginia. People in Virginia are way nicer than where I'm from in California. And people where I'm from in California are way nicer than people in, like, Sa- Sacramento or the Bay Area or L.A. Mm-hmm. or whatever. And that it's just the more rural you get, the nicer people are. Yeah, and and, and that's, that's why I asked that question is, like I knew you would have an interesting take on the entire trip. Yeah. Like on what kind of stood out. <laughs> well, you know, what? I I stopped and I and I plan to do a review on this wine. I also have been talking to the owners of this winery, uh, Culmination in Hill Country. It's one mm-hmm. of the higher end wineries in Hill Country. They they produce mm-hmm. they produce a really good wine. I've been talking to the owners. I'm trying to line up an interview with 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 one of them. Their winemaker is a different person. But mm-hmm. I, I'm very interested in the business side of their winery. I mean, and, like, that's the thing is, like, I'm interested in the business side of all the people we yeah. talk to. Like, oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, like, talking to John and then, like, you know, just imagine if John could get grapes, like, excess grapes from uh, Craig. Yeah, that would be like, really cool, actually. And, yeah. and see the interesting things he might be able to do with them or at least blend with them. Yeah, that would be really cool. But this Culmination Cellars, I visited there. That was probably one of the prettiest vineyards I've been to in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from Altamarfa, probably because now I, I have like a special place in my heart now for Altamarfa because I helped plant it. Yeah. And like forever, like I'll taste my elbow grease in the terroir. And, uh, <laughs> but it'll, it, it, this culmination cellars, it was just a really pretty piece of land. The, the, the tasting facility was gorgeous. The wine, I, I opened up a bottle with, uh, Ricky when I got to Altamarfa and we tried it together and it was just, it was outstanding. It was, it was a really, really, you know, I've, I've had a lot of Texas wines and they range from, uh, okay to, uh, pretty good or, or, or actually there've been a couple like that. Pertinalis one I had was outstanding. The one I sent you, I thought was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one from, uh, starts with a B. I can't remember what it is, but it's also Tempranillo. That's very good. There's also from Messina Hoff. They have pretty, a couple of good ones and they, and from Yano, they have a couple of really good ones too. This is by far the highest quality 
I think I've ever had from mm-hmm. Texas wine. It was very good. And Ricky kind of commented on it. He said, yeah, they know what they're doing. They have a very good winemaker from France uh, who also knows a lot about the viticulture and is really helping them kind of produce very good wine grapes in both the Hill Country area and up in High Plains to make sure that they have high-quality selected grapes. It was expensive. They were $40 a bottle. So it was not cheap, but totally worth it. And if you ever get a chance, actually, you know who told me about it, Mason? I'll give him a shout out on the show. Um, let me look him up real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie, Maddie K from PA, at Maddie K from PA on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to come to Childeberg. He and his wife, I guess, go down to Hill Country every once in a while, and he knows a lot about the wineries down there. Mm-hmm. He turned me on to this culmination cellars. Awesome recommendation. Thank you, Maddie. If you hear this, you know, you're a champion, and that was a really, really great recommendation. I can't, I can't wait to meet you in person if you make it out to Childerberg. Yeah. So I, if we, if we get a chance, I would like to get a couple more bottles of that and, and either send you some Mason or figure out a way that you and I can try them together. Cause I, I think it was yeah. top notch stuff. So that was probably one of my, one of my high, the highlights of it. There's also in Marfa, this will be the last thing in, <laughs> in Marfa. There are a whole bunch of really interesting art installments, mm-hmm. like out in the desert. So, mm-hmm. so like you'll be just driving down the road and there's like a building that's like says Prada and it's like the front of a Prada store. Mm-hmm. And then like randomly there's just like a, a tiny target and like it's <laughs> like there's just all sorts of really these weird like art installments out there. So that was also really neat. I, I, I like, I, lo- I really appreciate aesthetics. Um, and, mm-hmm. and weirdness. I like local weirdness in particular. Apparently this is like a, a renowned famous artist, I guess, who puts these in and just really liked Marfa. And so he had his property and stuff out there. But, uh, I like that kind of eclectic stuff. And sort of on that note, when you're driving through, I, I always try to get off the freeway when I can and just sort of drive through like the side roads and stuff. When you get off of the main freeway and you're like on a smaller highway, you all, you get these kind of eclectic, interesting. Oh man, there was this other, there was this other really cool thing. So I got off the main freeway while I was out there and was just driving down, just kind of wandering around. And I was like, well, probably there's not going to be any more wineries at this point. And Mm -hmm. I was probably driving for like an hour or whatever. And I could see the lower desert from the hill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so I'm I'm out of winery country, and then there was one sign that was like this way winery, <laughs> and so like I got I didn't slam on the brakes so like it would kill traffic, but honestly there was nobody driving on the road, but like so I slowed down and it was like through this kind of creepy looking like dead forest, <laughs> and so I was like, you know what, this is my wine vacation or whatever, I'm going. So I went, and it was like it was like three miles through this dirt road going, mm-hmm. going across all these cattle gates and stuff like that. And I saw some deer back there and there was a, there was a llama farm and <laughs> um, just, you know, a bunch of cows and horses and stuff. And then like some trailers with people and stuff. And everybody, everybody that saw me driving down the road, they wave and they're just kind of like just people who live out there and they wave mm-hmm. as you coming down the road. And I finally got to the end of the road and it was a winery and it was a really cool, it was like, it was like roadhouse from the movie. Yeah. It, it was like a, it was kind of like a biker bar, but it was, <laughs> but it was a biker bar or winery and when you got in it was all texas stuff so there was like longhorn cattle and texas flags everywhere and like cowboys pasted on the walls but it was but it was very barry mm-hmm. it was very like kind of like rocker bar but like texas rocker bar kind of mm-hmm. and the guy in there was super nice and he and he was like hey where are you coming from and i said well i'm coming from dallas i'm going to marfa and he's like oh man i've heard awesome stuff about about the vineyards in marfa but they, there just isn't very many of them uh i'm pretty excited like maybe we can get some grapes from there at some time he's getting most of his grapes from hill country and from high plains mm-hmm. and uh and i i was like yeah i mean i'm i'm pretty excited to go try it out i've never had a wine from there and and actually when i was in marfa there i couldn't there was nobody selling any wines that were made from grapes in that area which was interesting but uh but anyways he was he was saying like about it and then he was like hey you know i'm going to be out sort of near dallas next month you want to come out to the texarkana grape and wine festival and i was like i'd love to and he, and he was like cool and then he gave me like he gave me tastes of a whole bunch of different wines that they were doing they were do, they're doing this new one that is um i can't remember what the grapes called it's something ne- negro Mm-hmm. And, uh, it is, it's what I guess the Spanish monks brought over when they first started setting up missions in Texas. Hmm. It's, it's tannic, but it's sweet. It's a very sweet and tannic, or se- I would say semi-sweet. So it's like semi-sweet and tannic. Really, mm-hmm. really interesting, really interesting wine that he had. 
And he's like, yeah, this is one of the f- my favorite ones that I make just because it's so unusual. Whereas, like, I got a Vignet from him and a Tempranillo. His Tempranillo was very good. It was High Plains also. His Vignet was also good. It was uh, Hill Country Vignet. And uh, so I bought a bottle of each of those. So I'll be doing mini-episode reviews of those at some point. And uh, then, like, I left and I looked up the Texarkana Wine Festival. And for some reason, he said it was up by Dallas. It's not. It's like three hours east of here. But <laughs> uh, but it was that, was that was cool, too. It's just fun to kind of drive around when you don't have a huge time limit. Just kind of exploring the country and just having an mm-hmm. idea to just take a risk and just see what's there. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I didn't even know you had did that. Yeah, on yeah. that one. So yeah, I had forgotten about it until we started talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we are tasting anarchy. Um, I'm Mason. He's Jake. Um, those of you who listened to this entire episode not managed to figure out either one of our names um <laughs> you know we are 60 plus episodes in so we've kind of changed up the start format so if you manage to listen to this and not figure that out um you can visit us tastinganarchy.com you can see jacob's hijinks interacting with pretty much anyone who will interact with him on twitter that's right um tasting anarchy on twitter uh, if you want to email us tastinganarchy at gmail.com we are well Jacob and Carr are the primary host of Childerberg. That's right. Which is our combined wine, liberty, beer, good friends, good people, um, liberty lovers festival yeah. in, te- what is it, Central Texas? Or would yeah, you say- I, I guess, yeah, Central Texas. It's, it's, it's yeah. near Austin. Yeah, so Central Texas uh, festival. You know, if you don't know what Bilderberg is, look it up, be afraid, but we're not that. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, Dark Tom Woods may be making an appearance. Who knows? Um, all of those things, fun times, um, come out. Even if you can't get a reservation, you know, you can always, if you want to support the fun from afar, uh, we are taking donations to help offset some of the costs of possibly the wine van and other things. Um, we'd love to see you guys there. Yeah. I, I think that's a great place to end. So thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Stay free. Stay free. Once a year, the world's power brokers meet in secret at a heavily secured facility and discuss the fate of regular people like you. This meeting is known as the Bilderberg. But you don't have to worry about that because you're going to Childerberg. Childerberg is the premier gathering of free folk in Texas, held at the beautiful Black Rock Park on the banks of refreshing Buchanan Lake in Iano County. Childerberg 2019, June 8th and 9th. Chill in the lake. Make new friends with liberty lovers like you. Enjoy camping in the great outdoors. Hop in the wine van and visit the local wineries. Participate in podcasting magic and much, much more. Email us at tastinganarchy at gmail.com or reach out to us at Childerberg on Twitter for additional details. Childerberg 2019, June 8th and 9th. I'll see you there.